Well, good morning. It is so good to see all of you here. And uh, those of you online, it is great to have you here. But if I seem a little distracted this morning, it is because uh, entering phase two, we actually have a bunch of our volunteers here this morning. Y'all can wave. Yes, it's great to see you all, have you here. <clears throat> so can I just say, I feel like a six-year-old the first time I ever went to Disneyland, okay? That's what this feels like right now. <laughs> yeah, we could... No, I should go ahead and preach this sermon. Yeah, I could just, yes. So um, whether, whether you're here right now as a volunteer training and getting ready for June 28th, our target date uh, for phase three, or whether you're online, however you are participating in this, and I really mean this, right? You have a home with this church wherever you are. And so wherever you are right now, it is great. And it is so wonderful to just look out and see all of your beautiful masked faces everywhere, right in here. Yes. So um, we, uh, we continue our series here, uh, The Upside Down Ways of Jesus. Uh, and as we do this morning, I have a little bit of a goal that is a little strange, uh, maybe stranger than normal. Um, and, and one of my goals is this, is that not through the entire sermon, but at the beginning here, as I walk through some of these things, um, I want you to become a little, little irritated with Jesus this morning. And you might be going, that's so weird because you're a pastor and you should want us to just love Jesus. Yes, but here's why I say I want you to be a little irritated with Jesus this morning, because I think if you begin to really kind of see what Jesus is saying in this and really get the meaning behind it, and it doesn't like bother you a little bit, then maybe you're really not getting the depth of what he's saying here. And I believe this, if you get the depth of what he's saying, and we're going to look at just this one little phrase that he says here to get the depth of it uh, is so empowering. Uh, it will empower you to kind of live and, and move forward in life in a deeper, richer way. And so that's what, that's what I'm after uh, here uh, this morning. Um, and we're going to look at a passage uh, in Luke chapter 6. Uh, you can turn there now. I'm not going to read it for a little while, but uh, just Luke chapter 6, halfway through Luke 6, um, and really through the end of it, the kind of the meat and potatoes of what Jesus is walking through in a very broad category is relationships and actually the needs that we have in those relationships. And so it's a, the second half of this chapter is very relational in nature. And you know, when we think about relationships and needs or relational needs, there's a couple of different experiences uh, that we have with this. Uh, there's probably many different ones, but I, I want to point out two uh, two, a couple of different experiences we have. The first experience we have would be something like this. If someone said, you know, okay, so like, like what are your relational needs or whatever? Uh, one experience we would have would be this. Uh, oh, what, I don't have any relational needs. Like, wh like, what do you mean? Like, right? Just this thing of like, I don't want to think of myself as having relational needs. Uh, years and years ago, I was sitting down with a very good friend of mine. She's a counselor. Um, in fact, uh, some of the online conversations that I've done, uh, a couple of them have been with her. Her name is Annette. And there was this one time in particular I was sitting down with Annette, and she asked me this question, that exact question. So like, Glenn, what is a relational need that you have? And with a straight face, I looked at her and I said, well, I, I don't think I have any. 
And here's what she did. She laughed at me. She laughed out loud at me, right? Picture yourself sitting down with the counselor, right? And your counselor just starts laughing out loud where you can hear it. And I said, Annette, like you, and she's laughing. And she goes, you think you don't have any relational needs? And I'm like, well, you know, she goes, okay. Like, and then she like quoted something to me that I said about relationship needs, right? Uh, and it had something to do with, uh, you know, this is how God made us to be. We are relational creatures with relational needs, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. And, and as she said that, right, my experience with this is I don't like to think of myself as having relational needs, right? Like there's something about the idea that I would need something out of relationship that it just like, I, like does that make me weak? Or like, and there's that part of me that can like go to that place on that. But here's the deal, right? Um, it really is how God created us. And, and having relational needs doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. That's all. We'll all experience those relational needs. And you know, it's interesting when you look at uh, Luke chapter six, there are some things that Jesus brings out. We, some real obvious ones, things like we all have relational needs like to not be judged relationally with people we're in to be forgiven um, in relationships, to be cared for, to know that the other person, uh, that we matter to them, right? And, and there are all of these other different relational needs, even beyond those in there that we all have and we all need. You know, one of the other ways that we experience this um, is, uh, and maybe some of you can relate uh, to this. And you know, and if you relate to the other, maybe if you're if you're online right now, just like post a thumbs up or something on there, because I know there are some others out there uh, that are like me in this. But I also know there are some of you that experience this very differently, and you might experience it and go I, like, I am very aware of the relational needs that I have. Relational needs of whether it's being connected to someone, or being heard, or being seen. Or maybe it's a relational need of just uh, being considered or encouraged, right? There are all of these things. And maybe how you experience it is being very aware of it, but the thing that can be so bothersome, so irritating, so difficult is when you see how there is someone else in your life that legitimately, relationally is the right person to be meeting that need, and they're not. And there's this obvious thing where you're in this relationship and what would be, and I'm not talking about something that would, is not appropriate. And I'm not talking about something that is selfish or, or needy in an in a unhealthy way. I'm talking about those things that are just what a healthy relationship is about. And you identify something that you would need. And that other person, like they're just not needing that. And maybe they're not even coming close. And there's this frustration that maybe uh, you experience in that. And the question is, how do you move forward when you get stuck in that place where those needs aren't being met, whether you're fully aware of it or whether you're only aware of it a little bit? Because uh, like one of the things that Annette said to me, like, you know, after she stopped laughing, and I'm like, what? You know, it's one of those things, you know? Um, uh, and immediately, like, the, the old Simon and Garfunkel uh, song came back to me, you know, like, I am a rock. I, uh, I really shouldn't try singing right now. I didn't mean to do that. 
but we're going to move along. Somewhere, musicians everywhere are saying, there's a disturbance in the force right now. <laughs> um, uh, she, like, she, she's like, so, you know, like, really, you don't have any needs? And I'm like, well, no. I mean, like, I get irritated sometimes at this person or that person or, you know, I could, you know, this thing. And, I, and then all of a sudden, like, she's, she's pulling these things out of me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, so I've got this need. I, okay, yes. I need to be connected with people. I need to be reconnected with people. I, like, I have this need to share experiences uh, with people that I'm close with. And, and I want them to, to share an experience of something out of my life. And I want to understand, and, and, and we all have that. But the question, the problem I want to look at this morning with this, no matter how you experience it, is what happens when those needs are not being met and it leaves you stuck, maybe stuck in a place where you feel hopeless, because it seems like that need hasn't been met and, it, and it's not going to be met. That's what you come to believe. Maybe it's gone on a long time and you're hurting over it. Maybe um, you've become stuck because you're at that place where the frustration and the anger, like there's this mild aggravation that you just carry all of the time. Maybe you're stuck and it's getting in the way of how that relationship can move forward how that relationship can, can become deeper or more intimate or uh, stronger in some way. What do you do when you get stuck because you've got legitimate relational needs that aren't being met, right? So here's what Jesus offers, and it is this one little sentence, and it falls again. Sometimes we miss this in this passage, uh, we don't necessarily think of this little sentence that Jesus offers as a profoundly relational thing, but understand that's exactly where it falls in this section of Luke. Um, so if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> look uh, at Luke chapter 6, um, about halfway through, starting in verse 38. And here's what he says, right? And actually, uh, the end of 37, he talks about this thing about forgiveness and, you know, forgiven, you will be forgiven. Then he says this, verse 38, he says this, Give, and it will be given to you. That's a stop right there. I'm going to read a little more in a moment, but I want you to just think about this for a moment. Um, he's just flowed out of a section where he's talked about the needs that we would have to not be judged, to be forgiven, right? And he even says, you know, don't judge, uh, you know, and forgive others. But, you know, he goes into this section and he says, right, first thing, first thing is not... Um, and let me go talk to that other person and straighten them out to make sure they, they're living up to their end of the bargain on what this relationship is supposed to be about, right? doesn't go there. What he says to you and me is, I want you to give something away. And here's why that can be frustrating if you really get what he's saying. Like, he says this to people who haven't been forgiven. He is saying this to a group of people that have been judged. They're feeling the pain of judgment. Like they, like, and, and can you see one of them saying, Jesus, like I'm, I'm following you and I'm being judged. I'm being ridiculed. Like why, like why am I the one that needs to be giving first? I'm, I'm the one that needs this. I'm the one that's in the spot that, that needs encouragement and needs someone to connect with me. I'm the one that needs a little forgiveness to come my way. And yet Jesus is saying, the place I want you to start 
is you give something away first. See, that can be frustrating, right? I mean, if you really, like if I think about this and, you know, I think about, I don't know, like maybe it's, uh, maybe it's with uh, one of my friends, right? And I feel like, uh, like I was wronged in some way, maybe even just a mild way. And I would really like an apology. Like in that moment, the frustrating thing would be it, that if I read this, Jesus is saying, well, you know, where could you give an apology away, Glenn? Like, I, I want you to think about, what, like, where, where is it that maybe you've done something and you need to reach out to someone else? And there's that part of me that wants to go, okay, but Jesus, I'm the one that needs the apology right now. Like, why are we talking about me looking around to, like, I, and maybe you feel that in your marriage. Maybe there's something where you just feel neglected. You feel like, like, like there's this lack of communication. Maybe it's, Maybe it's with your kids or a close friend and you would just love a little respect. And Jesus is saying, I want you to start by giving something away. See, that, that's the part that can feel frustrating in this. It's interesting though, what does he say? Give and it shall be given to you. Like, like this need being met follows us giving something away. And I love how he describes uh, what we get back in this. He actually uses this agricultural uh, example just to, to give weight to it. Uh, and because we're not, you know, particularly an agricultural community, it can get lost on us a little bit. But it's this idea if you're harvesting wheat or something and you're loading it into bags and like, like how full is it? And, and, and you can look back at the passage. Here's how he describes it. He just says this, a good measure pressed down, shaken uh, together and running over will be poured out onto your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, and he's just using this uh, agricultural example uh, to try and, and just say, like, no matter how much you stuff it full and put all this stuff in here, like, there's still going to be more than what that could hold. And here's the simple implication of that. As we learn and grow to, to give something away, we're going to get back more than we actually need. And that's where all of a sudden this thing that he says can go from this thing that can make us a little aggravated and, and difficult to do. Let's not pretend that this is an easy thing to do. But it goes from being that aggravating thing into this beautiful thing where suddenly what we're being given is actually more than what we would need in all of this. So as you, as you think about this and, the, and, and what he's getting into here, um, I want you to think about this, and I really mean this. What is, what is the relational need that you need most right now? Because maybe it, it feels like there's a deficit there. What would that be? And, you know, maybe those of you who are online right now, maybe if, if you feel comfortable enough, just, like, post that. What would that be? Maybe you're sitting here and you're hurting over something that happened in a relationship and it would mean so much, it would be so healing in your soul if someone just came and offered you that apology. Man, that would mean the world. Or maybe just someone that would reach out and connect with you or offer some just encouragement because you're going through a tough time and you're just like, man, I'm going through this really tough time and I just, 
You know, where are the people in my life that would come and lift me up and encourage me? What is that for you? Because here's my challenge for you. Uh, Looking at what Jesus says here, I think the challenge for you and I uh, is this. At your moment of greatest need, give away the thing you need most. That's what this sermon is about. That is what Jesus is teaching us here in this moment. At your moment of greatest need, give away the thing that you need most. And I don't want you to think of this as like just this beautiful, idyllic thing that, you know, that can be said. Think about this in the most practical of ways. Think of it as a way that helps you move forward in those moments where, like, where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel angry, where you feel hurt, where you feel hopeless, whatever, like, what is stuck to you? Maybe I'd ask that question. When, when those relational needs aren't met and, and you might say, I feel stuck, what does stuck feel like for you? Because what Jesus is offering here is a way to move forward. And let me, let me just, I want to take the rest of my time and just walk through four ways or four reasons why what Jesus says here actually helps us move forward uh, in all of this. Um, and the first one is this. The first one is this. Uh, you may discover it's the path that leads you uh, to your needs actually being met, right? And that's literally what he's saying here. Give, like start it, give, and then it will be given uh, to you. Think of this as the path that actually leads to that uh, thing, um, whether it's now or down the road. A uh, real practical example of this uh, w- uh, with me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, being connected, uh, it really matters to me. Like, and so you think about like uh, in my marriage with Angie, like I hate that feeling of disconnection. Like if Angie and I were get into a fight or an argument about something, like I'm just like, I like, there's nothing I hate in the world more than to think that like Angie and I are like not in a good place or whatever, or that, you know, or that she would be upset with me or something. I, I hate that feeling, right? And so uh, one of the things that we uh, started to do, because um, I could get like, just like hung up in that, I'd want to avoid that. And so one of the things that we started to do was like, if we got into an argument or a fight or something, instead of just like going our separate ways, because I wanted to avoid it, like, like I didn't want to be around her because then it just like magnifies the whole thing, is to actually do something deliberate to reconnect. And for me, uh, like uh, in kind of what we decided, it's like, okay, if we get into an argument about something, like we're going to get to it. And whether we have it all resolved or not, we're going to pause and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask her, like, let's go out. And, and our thing way back when, I, you may have heard me tell this story before, it's like, let's just go get some yogurt. Let's just go get some yogurt and let's just reconnect. And, you know, it, when we first did this, that felt so awkward because, right, there's this part of me that, like, like you know, we've gone through this argument and, and everything I wanted was for her to reconnect with me because I just feel awkward in this thing. And like, why don't she, you know, do this? And if you notice this, you can, you can get two people and you can get in a car and drive someplace and you can just kind of like, you can like look out the window like, and just ignoring. I, we can be next to each other and not be connected in some way. We can just ignore each other in this thing. But this whole exercise we went through was like to not do that. It was to say, despite the fact that we might be frustrated with each other, not agree about something, be hurt, that we can still care about each other and reconnect in this thing. And so like, like 
I stepped out, and, and for some of you, you're like, man, Glenn, it's not that big a deal. It was a big deal for me. I was just like, man, like I'm gonna, I even held her hand. We got out of the car, and I went around to the other side, and I would hold her hand, and at first, it's just like, hold her hand. Like, it's like, you know, okay. But the most amazing thing happened as I started to just give that away, to say, you know what? I'm not going to avoid. I'm gonna make a point of, um, treating it like a date and treating it like there was no argument. I'm going to just treat her with care and concern and reach out and hold her hand while we walk into the yogurt shop, you know? And now every time someone sees us walking into the yogurt shop, they're always like, ooh, that must have been a pretty big fight because, you know, it's a yogurt shop recovery in this thing. Um, uh, But the gift that I got out of that was uh, two things. One, it it was getting that reconnection that I really needed. But the other thing was, sometimes I didn't realize how much I needed that until I gave it away and got it back in some way. And it was just giving that away and not waiting for her to make the first move, not waiting for her to say, you know, well, okay, I'm sorry. And it's just, it, it was for me to just say, I'm going to seek to just give this away. I'm going to give away the thing that I'm coming to understand that I need and want so much. And I'm just going to give it away. And you know what? You can do the same thing. What is that thing? When, you know, a little while ago when I asked, what is that thing that you need most? What would it look like to give that away? Because maybe in giving it away in the, in the most roundabout way, you might find that you get it back and you get it back in spades. Okay, another reason. Another reason uh, it helps uh, to move us uh, forward, this idea of at our greatest, uh, in the moment of our greatest need, give away the thing you need most is this. You may discover it gets you unstuck from the ought to's. And here's what I mean by the ought to's, because this this happens, to, this can be so easy. It's the... Um, Right there's you're in that relationship and you think, well, they they ought to apologize to me for what they did. They ought to be more attentive. They ought to be communicating more. Right, um, my spouse ought to at least come by and ask me how my day was when they come in the door from a long day. You know, um, my coworkers, you know, ought to be a little bit more respectful of something or my boss, uh, uh, you know, ought to be a little bit more patient with me for all of the things that I do and seek to do. Um, my, uh, my kids ought to be more understanding. Like, and we go through all of these things of what someone else ought to be doing relationally, right? And we can get stuck in that place if they're not living up to the ought to. And we can just think, well, I've got that. And they're just like, and they should be doing this. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter how fair it is or if you're right. In fact, I'll, I'll give you the assumption that you're absolutely right. That person ought to do that. Now, how's that working for you? How is knowing you're right about what they ought to do. How's that working for you? How's it working for you to go tell them about it? You know, do that. Like, just have that. I've, okay, so I've had that conversation a few times, and it never works, right? Because then I get the conversation back, um, you're trying to convince me, right? My, my whole family has got this all figured out. When I go into 
Mr. Preacher convincer mode on people. They're like, you're using that convincer vo uh, voice. My kids say, Dad, you're using the pastor voice on us right now. <laughs> it's like, it does, is it working for you? And you can try the pastor voice. It, it won't work, okay? And when it doesn't work, where does it leave you? It leaves you right back there stuck thinking about how someone ought to be doing something. And no matter how legitimate it is, it doesn't change the fact that you're stuck in that place. And here's the beautiful thing about what Jesus offers me and offers you. There is a way forward when we start giving that thing away. Like for me, right? Those moments where I can get stuck in, but they, you know, they ought to be navigating this differently. And for me to say, you know what? Here's what I can give away. I can give away understanding. I can give away a moment where I won't try and convince somebody of something else. Because sometimes in a relationship, what we don't want is someone else always trying to convince us of something. So for me, it's become moments of just saying, I'm going to enter into this, and it's not going to be about me trying to convince that other person, my kids, my friends, my spouse, my coworkers. It, it's going to be about me giving away my seeking to understand them. And you know what? It moves me forward. I've experienced this so many times where all of a sudden, instead of like, okay, how am I going to convince them? All of a sudden, like I stopped caring about how to convince them of something. And it just moves me forward past those. And I'm no longer living in all of that stuff. And it just... It pulls me forward into something else in that relationship. And I'm telling you, that new place that it pulls you forward into is always, always a better place. And that's the beauty of what Jesus is, is teaching in this moment. And as irritating as it may be to think, oh gosh, but I'm right. I should be able to convince him. Yeah, great. But do you want to stay there or do you want to move forward? See? And that's the beauty of what he's uh, getting at here. Um, another one is this. Let me just take a, a minute on this one. Um, it's this. You may discover your needs are being met more than you realize. Sometimes when we seek first to just give away that thing that, that we need most, there's this weird discovery process that can go on. There's something about the process we go through in our mind and our heart to give that thing away that makes us aware in a new way of what we might have already been receiving. Uh, let me just, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a quick tangible illustration of this. Let's say uh, um, it's encouragement. Let's say you're the, the biggest need you have right now. It's just, I just need some encouragement at work. No one is noticing the things I'm doing. And I don't want any more than what I deserve, right? It's not like you're just saying, I need to be the center of attention. You're just saying, I have worked so hard. I have done all, I just, I just need some recognition and some encouragement. And you're not getting anything. And so all of a sudden you say, well, you know, I'm going to give that away. I'm going to find out how can, how would I go about giving that away? And you just say, man, I'm going to pull out my phone. And I'm going to think of some of my coworkers, and I'm going to just send them a quick text. And you start texting a few coworkers, and as you're thinking about, okay, now how would I say this? How would I describe that? All of a sudden, you realize, you know, as I'm struggling through how to make these texts and do them, I'm thinking about all the texts I've been getting for the last week. And, you know, my phone goes off, and I'm in the middle of working because I'm trying to serve everybody around me. And it's like, oh, they're bugging me again with more texts. I'm just like, you know. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. 
all those texts I've been getting, wow, like some other people have been sending me some encouraging texts and I've just missed it. That's all. And something as simple as you trying to recognize someone else might actually open you up to the kinds of words or the kinds of methods or some of the basic little things that they're doing to do the same thing. And you might, all of a sudden, you, there's this beautiful moment in giving it away. Sometimes you realize there was something you already had. Now, last thing, last thing um, that, uh, that we can experience uh, when at our moment of greatest need, we give that thing away is this. Um, it aligns you to the very character and life of Christ. I want you to think about Christ and how he lived his life for a moment. Christ never waited for someone to offer him something good or beautiful relationally before he would engage someone else and give it away. Jesus, at, uh, in so many turns, would offer compassion, grace, understanding, a listening ear, even when he knew it would never be returned. He was always an initiator in giving things away. Um, there's a beautiful text uh, that Paul writes uh, in the book of Philippians. If you, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, um, turn to a Philippians chapter 2. And there's something that we see that Jesus does here that is so beautiful that, that Paul describes this kind of character um, about Christ. He says this. Look at, uh, starting in verse 1, he says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, right? I mean, do you, do you see what Paul is describing? Like, have you ever experienced how Jesus has moved toward you in a giving way? How Jesus has moved toward you with tenderness or compassion? or a sense of unity of spirit, like, like a moment where maybe you just say, man, I'm not alone. I may be alone relationally in this world, but I'm not alone relationally because Jesus is all, like, like Paul's describing this beautiful thing and he goes on, verse two, then make my joy complete by being, what? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considers, consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should, not own, uh, should, uh, should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, catch what he said there in verse 4. He doesn't say your interests don't count, did he? He said not only should you think about your interests. Like, it is okay to have needs. It is okay to want your needs met. But what Jesus modeled for us and what Paul is saying we're to emulate in Christ is to not just think about our needs, but to emulate Christ in how he moved towards others in this beautiful, beautiful way to also think about the needs of others, to be able to give that away. And then he goes on this next verse, verse five, he simply says this, your attitude should be that, should be the same is that of Christ Jesus. You know, when you go to give something away that is one of your deepest needs that is going unmet, you, like in that moment, 
you're actually choosing to move forward with a, pa- with a pattern of living that you can look back through the Gospels and see how Jesus lived that same way. I think about Jesus, think about Jesus on the cross, right? Jesus is on the cross. The suffering, the anguish, the unfairness of that, right? If there's ever a moment anyone gets to be selfish and self-centered, right? It should be when you're hanging on a cross. In that moment, you just say, you know, it's going to be about me right now, right? And I just, I'm not going to worry about anybody else's needs right now, right? But Jesus in that moment, in the middle of the pain, no one would fault him when the other two thieves on the cross start talking with him to say, can you all just be quiet? I'm just going to ignore you right now. Like, I don't care. Like in that moment, he gives away understanding. He gives away concern. He gives away salvation. He, like he just gives it away. And there's something so beautiful for us as followers of Christ to simply be in a pattern of life that is actually emulating that. And here's what I think that that does. I think in those moments where we emulate Christ in that way, it has a way of filling the gap between where we are right in, this, right in this moment of our needs not being met until in some way we get to experience those needs being met through someone else. To just be in that pattern of life where you know you are joined in the very pattern of being aligned in character and purpose of your Lord Jesus Christ. There is something about that that just fills the gap and allows you to move forward until you reach that point, right? Where, where that need is being met. So can I leave you with this challenge? In the moment of your greatest need, give away the thing you need most. I'm gonna close this uh, in prayer here. Let me pray. Father, I just, uh, I thank you for this time and I thank you for what Jesus Uh, walked out in the challenge that it is. And I pray that you lead and guide us forward in how to give away the thing we need most. And we pray this in your son's name.